Well, good evening, church family. Well, the, the word of God says, where two or more are gathered, the presence of the Lord is here. Amen. Let's all rise as we begin to worship.
Let's continue to worship.
Let's just sing that chorus again. Cause I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a church why don't we take a moment to greet each other as worship comes to a close this, this evening All right, how you guys doing? Doing good, all, all three of you? <laughs> yeah, I guess we got pretty good at make, doing announcements because, like, we announced that there's an event going on this, in the city right now, and there's, like, nobody here, but that's okay because you basically got to get to know everybody while you're greeting each other just now. So, hey, that's fantastic. How are you guys doing, though? Yeah? Yeah, we're doing good? Man, I'm so excited to be here tonight. This is my first Wednesday night back since before IYC and camp. So I feel like I haven't been here in a while. I've been out with, with the kids, with the youth these last couple of weeks. And man, I got to tell you, it's been fantastic. These kids are on fire for Jesus. And I know that's like a vague Christian East term we use sometimes, but for real, these kids are, are something else right now, man. Just all glory to God. We're just so proud of the growth that we've been seeing in our youth in terms of just seeking and loving Jesus. Uh, but hey, we got a couple of announcements for you guys this evening. Uh, Vacation Bible School starts on July 24th, and it's all the way through July 28th. And, yo, I'm so excited about VBS, man. That was not only the event that spurred me to first give my life to Christ when I was in fifth grade, but it's an event that continues to draw kids closer to Christ year after year. And this year I'm especially excited because we have a lot of our youth who at camp and at IYC made a commitment to follow Christ and to serve the body of Christ. And so we're going to have a, a nice big group of youth helping out with IYC this year. Uh, but we still need more help. So if you are interested in volunteering for the week of the 24th through the 28th, or say maybe that doesn't work out for you, but you can help set up and, you know, put all the little things on the wall and, and help decorate, well, 
whatever works for you. If you want to be involved with that in some way, shape, or form, reach out to Jessica. She's been doing an amazing job with our kids, and and we're so excited for uh, VBS this year. And, you know, church, we've also got so many other things going on. We've got Meet the Pastors happening on July 24th from 12.30 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. And on top of that, so many other things. And if you want to stay connected, uh, please stop by our, our, our info booth right out in the mall. I almost forgot it. It's like I go to camp in IYC and I forget what things are called here. Man. <laughs> um, stop by our info booth right out in the mall. We've got plenty of more info. We've even got handouts if you like a, a physical copy and stuff like that. And so make sure to stay plugged in by doing that. And you can also keep up at, at our website on NBCABQ.com forward slash events. And speaking of NBCABQ.com, we again want to thank you for your continuous faithfulness in, in tithes and offerings. And you can also continue to give on NBCABQ.com forward slash give, not to mention our tithing boxes in all four corners of the sanctuary. So again, church, thank you so much for continue, continuing to support us because it's it's with it's with it's oh wow I just can't talk anymore huh <laughs> it's because of your support that we can do what we do it's not it not only helps keep the lights on but as Chris said one Sunday a few Sundays ago it helps keep the gospel the light of Jesus Christ going throughout all of Albuquerque and also to our missions that we've got all around the world and so many other things so thank you so much for that church and will you do me a favor and will you turn your attention towards the screen this evening. Nations is a ministry that we have partnered with, and it's an amazing opportunity to go to Uganda, Africa, to do ministry there. Uh, youth, be dismissed if you haven't already left. Uh, a lot of our people, we have about 150 people right now out at the concert for Brian Trejo over at the Hoffman uh, Town Church Amphitheater, and uh, it's really an amazing time over there. But it's also an amazing time here to get together and worship God and get into the Word. I had started a sermon series a while back. Actually, I preached it uh, up until I started it in the end of May and then the first Wednesday of June. And then Steve uh, stood in the pulpit for four weeks. But I'm coming back to a series that I called Flip the House. And I took it off that TV show where they get a dilapidated home, a home that was once brilliant, a a home that was once shining bright, a a home that was once filled with dreams and promises and great anticipation of of filling it with a husband and a wife and filling the room with their children. And all of a sudden something goes wrong and the house starts breaking down and the home starts falling apart and the family starts falling apart, and before you know it, this house that they had turned into a home is now a dilapidated building, 
and they sell it for nothing on the dollar because they don't feel there's any hope. And someone buys it to flip it. They turn it around and they, they remodel it and they redo the entire thing and they put value back into it to raise it to a new value. They raise it to a new purpose. They raise it for a new meaning. And that's what I want to talk about. How when you and I come to Christ, he raises us to a new meaning, a new purpose, new hope, new ideals. And this house is turned into a home once again, a home with promise and love and care. And that's what we've been talking about. And tonight, what I want to talk about is how to help your kids pack their bags. How to help your kids pack their bags. Look, our goal as parents is to really prepare our children to leave our house. They're not supposed to live with us forever. That, that happens under some circumstances. Some kids don't move out yet because they haven't established themselves and, and, and grown up and matured. Some are still a bunch of little babies and they're holding on to their mama and don't want to leave. And, and you're supposed to step out. But sometimes things happen and you move back. But this is talking about as a mom and a dad, you and I are supposed to prepare our children to move on, to move on into adulthood, to move on into their family dreams, to move on to their purpose, to move on to their destiny, to move on to what they are supposed to accomplish in life. So for those of you watching at home and those of you in the sanctuary, I want to encourage you to really take some notes because I really believe God is wanting you to see how you can help your children prepare for their future and how you and I can truly pack their bags with the things that really are needed for eternity. So let's start in the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs chapter 31, you see in that passage right there that it's talking about a virtuous woman. It's talking about a mom. It's talking about a woman. And starting at verse 10 through 12, it says, who could find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her. And she will greatly enrich his life. She brings good and just true uh, and not harm in all the days of her life. Now, jump down to verse 26 through 28 in the same chapter. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instruction with kindness. She carefully watches over everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her, and her husband praises her. And that's just talking about mama. That's just talking about the things she contributes to her husband and to her children. Now jump down to verse uh, uh, Psalm 127. And look at verse 3. And in that passage there, it says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. In Psalm 26, or 22, verse 6 rather, it says, Direct your children under the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. So it's talking about moms and dads. We're supposed to pack our children's 
bags with treasures, wisdom and understanding and knowledge and, and tools and resources that are going to bless them. So the very first thing I want to say is make sure you pack your kids with the knowledge of a Christian lifestyle worth following. A Christian lifestyle worth following. A lot of times we're really good Christians once we enter the front doors of this church and we're very kind and wave to everybody and say hi and God bless you and God bless you brother, God bless you sister. We know all the right Christian lingo. How are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed by the best. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so blessed. I'm blessed because I'm I'm not stressed because I'm blessed. How are you doing? Oh, praise God. I am am a, a, a child of the king. And you say all the right things, but by the time you get to the parking lot, you leave it here. And you get mad at the person that parked that behind you because if you're backing up, they're backing up, and you don't want to give in, they don't want to give in, and you and you call yourself a Christian. They might not even be a Christian. They might have been eating at CeCe's. And you're all uptight. And your children are watching. They're going, hey, aren't you supposed to be nice? I was with my granddaughter. She's five years old, and she told me, Grandpa, thank you for praying with me because I've been praying for the people at my school. She's not even in pre-kinder yet. She just graduated, now going into kinder, or she, whatever, pre-kinder. All I know is she's five, whatever five-year-olds go to. <laughs> but she says, Grandpa, thank you for praying for my teacher. I go, well, we do pray for your teacher. What happened that you're thanking me? She quit listening to that bad, nasty music. And I go, did you say something or what? She goes, yes, Grandpa. I told her, you know what? That music is not nice, and it's nasty, and it's not good for you, but it's definitely not good for all of us kids to hear. And I said, orale, way to go, baby. And I'm saying, man, if a five-year-old can get it, what's wrong with us? We've got to live a lifestyle that we have, give them knowledge of a Christian lifestyle worth following. Watch your testimony. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 through 7, it says, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you were at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. It's saying have a 24-hour Bible study, but it's not saying get the Bible out and have a 24-hour Bible study. What it's saying is show that you love the Lord. Model that. Teach your children before they head out on their own that they love the, the Lord their God with all of their heart, mind, and soul with all of their heart, mind, and strength, with all of their soul and their spirit and the strength of the Lord that is upon them. And it says, repeat these things again and again to your children. So you speak into them. And you speak into them and you talk to them. And then it says, when you're at home. So when you're at home, when you wake up in the morning, pray and say, thank you, Lord, for another day as these kids go to school or wherever they're going off to. 
Pray for them. Pray for husband or wife or mom or dad if, if you have them in the house. If you're a single parent, pray for yourself and pray for your children. And, and, and it says repeat them again and again in your home. And then it says talk about them when you're on the road. So when you're on the road going through the streets of Albuquerque and you pass Tent City, don't sit there and say, look at those no good for nothing people. What's wrong with them? They're living in the street. They're homeless. They're lazy. Look, we don't know their story. So instead, say, you know what, Lord? If they go, hey, mom, dad, husband, wife, brother, sister, grandma, grandpa, what's, what's all those tents? Say, you know what? It's people that are going through a difficult time in their life. Some of them are on drugs. Some of them are alcoholics. Some of them are lazy. Some of them hit a really bad turn in life. And next thing you know, they were homeless. I really don't know what's going on in their life, but let's say a quick prayer. Educate them. Educate them about road rage. When people are driving like idiots, say, I don't know why that guy's in a hurry. Maybe he's trying to get to the hospital. There's an emergency in his family, and now he's driving crazy. We need to pray that God calm his spirit. Pray for them. Teach them on the road. Teach them what's going on. And it says when you're going to bed, so at night, tuck them in at night. Pray with them. I don't know if you pray with your family. We pray. I pray with my five-year-old granddaughter. The other night, we were sitting there, and she goes, okay, everyone's at the table. Let's pray, Grandpa. And I go, why don't you pray tonight, baby? She goes, really? I go, yeah. She started praying the most beautiful prayer. And then she kind of stopped, and she looked at me. But I had my eyes closed, so she tugged on me. I go, what, baby? She goes, what else should I include? So I taught her a little more. And she said it. I go, I would say it. She said it. I would say it. She said it. And then we said amen. And she goes, Grandpa, thank you. You helped me in my prayer. And I go, and thank you because you led me in a great prayer. See, let's teach them. Teach them when you go to bed. Teach them when they wake up. And it says when you're getting up. Let them know, model the Christian home they need to know about and they need to follow and they need to establish for themselves. When they go off to college, when they move in to their new home, their new apartment, when they go off to make it on their own and they get their first job and they're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? This is new to me. Paul the Apostle writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, and he says, you know, I remember your genuine faith. You know, Timothy, because Timothy was only like 18 years old, and he was already a pastor. And he goes, Timothy, you know what? I remember your genuine faith. Of course. You share that faith that first filled your grandma. I knew your grandma Lois. You've got the same kind of zeal and faith she had. And not just her, your mother Eunice. Oh my gosh, Timothy, you're like a great man of God. You have a heritage, a grandma that loved the Lord, a, a mother that loved the Lord. And now, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. It's not their faith, it's your faith, but their, your faith reminds me of their faith because they taught you how to pack your bags well. We need to pack our children's kids with a good Christian faith for them to emulate. 
to just literally live out and be a little mini-me of your faith. That people say, man, you're a man of faith like your grandma, your grandpa, your, your mama, your dad, or your brother, your sister. You're a woman of faith like your grandma, your grandpa, your mother, your dad, your brother, your sister. Man, you guys are, are trusting God. You guys are believing God. You guys are radiating Christ. Look, at it. it works. We need to do that. I have a grandson that has autism. He, he's quite articulate when he wants to be. And sometimes he shuts down. And he just got a summer job. And he's working at Sprouts right down the street at San Mateo Academy. And I'm not here to brag about him. I'm here to brag about the testimony that reigns from his life. On Sunday, he was, his mom and dad were in town and he didn't want to go to work and he had to go to work at one o'clock and after church, he was moping around and I don't want to go to church. I want to hang out with you guys and I want to be part of the cookout. And I go, hey, we're not going to have a cookout till you get out of work. He goes, well, I'm not going to work. And his uncle, my son, came alongside him and said, hey, come here, son. And he taught him about commitment, taught him about responsibility, taught him and, and he goes, thank you, uncle. Will you take me to work? Showed up at work. Showed up a few minutes late. He said, I'm really sorry I'm late today. I didn't intend to even come in, but but I was just, I'm young and I wanted to have fun with my family, but I'm here to work. Well, guess what? He was working with zeal and love and several customers were so impressed and they said, man, that kid is like the nicest kid here. He greets everyone so nicely and Somebody gave him a $50 tip. Another, he ended up with $26 and 50. And, and then some lady wrote him up. She wrote, I want to write this kid up. But I want to write him up with a compliment, a pat on the back, an attaboy. I want to thank you. I'm a regular customer here. And this young man went out of his way to help me. And really, I'm so glad that Isaiah Mansfield works at this store and I wanted you to know that. And my name is whatever her name was. And she goes, I shop here regularly. And I just want to say, attaboy. And I go, see, son, you didn't want to go to work, but you changed your attitude. And look, you made $76, dude. Can I borrow some money? <laughs> and he goes, no, Grandpa, this is mine. But hear me. What I was trying to teach him is the next point. That pack your kids with the knowledge that having privileges means they fulfill their responsibilities. If they're going to have privileges, it's because they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're doing cleaning the room. They're, they're throwing out the trash. They're cutting the grass. Whatever rules you have at your house. Cleaning up the backyard, cleaning up the dog stuff, feeding the dog taking care of their responsibilities. Because when they carry out their responsibilities, now they can have privileges and enjoy them. But sometimes we're spoiling our kids to death and they don't know what it is to be a hardworking, responsible young person. And they just want, want, want. That's not what God says. That's not what God wants. And that's not what we're supposed to do as parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles or guardians, 
Whatever you happen to be to that child, you are supposed to do it as unto the Lord and to the glory of God. So it says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 29, it says, to those who use well what they are given, hear that, they use well what they are given, and they will have an abundance. But to those who do nothing with what little they have, it'll be taken away. Now see, you think, oh, that's kind of messed up. You remember when he gave out the talents? He gave five to one, two to another, and one to one. And then when he came back, the one that had five turned it into 10. The one that had two turned it into four. And the one that had one just dug it in the ground and said, I'm not going to do nothing with this. Why should I? The master wants something for where he hasn't even invested. It's like, well, it's his money. He's investing in you. He wants to see what you're going to produce. He wants to see what you're going to do with the gifting and the talent and the calling he's placed on your life. Do you understand that he has a calling for each one of us? Do you understand that he has placed within us ministry that he wants us to birth? We have a calling, church. We have a calling as a congregation to reach up, reach in, and reach out. And we're doing that. We're doing that as I speak because we sponsored a concert where there's hundreds of people and they're rapping out. Brian Trejo and seven other rappers. And I was over there throwing a little rap. I was there, praise the Lord, for goodness sake, we're all going to take the Bible break. I said, praise the Lord. People are like, oh. I go, I'm a real old school rapper. Let me tell you a story about a man named Jed, poor mountaineer. He already kept the family fed. Okay. Some of you remember that. <laughs> but all kidding aside, we're trying, trying to have something for young people to get them off the streets and get them into Jesus and get radical for Jesus in a safe environment that they're going to glorify God and I'm praying that transformation is going to take place. See, we're doing that. As a church, we have a purpose. We have a purpose to reach the brokenhearted, to reach people that are broken, healing and restoring lives through the love of Jesus Christ. That's what New Beginnings is all about. We have a purpose, and that's why we started God's Warehouse, a homeless ministry that feeds four to 500 people every day, has clothing for them and food for them to take. That's why we invested and started under his construction, launched them out for a drug and alcohol rehabilitation ministry for men and women. That's why we helped and partnered with Frontline Resurrection Ministry, a transitional housing for women coming out of prison, coming off the streets, trying to learn a new life and have purpose to live it out. That's why we have ministries across this city that we're in connected with. We have the bicycle ministry, BMX, BMX Bikers for Christ. That's why we have the kids club ministers to broken children and their families. That's why we have ministries outside the United States. The school and community center there in Juarez, Juarez, Mexico, right across the border from El Paso, Texas. That's why we're partnering with people in Germany at the pink door to get people out of sex trafficking and they're rescuing 
young boys and girls and women, little kids, as young as eight-year-old kids in the sex trafficking market, all the way up to adults. That's why we're involved in Costa Rica, where we're building up leaders and launching out, and we've involved, been involved in starting many churches. That's why we're involved in different ministries, like one in Turkey that's ministering to Muslims and impacting life. Those are just some of the few. Why? Because we have found the purpose. We need to educate our children and equip them that they, they have to know responsibilities before they know privileges. You get privileges because you have worked hard. You get privileges because you're rewarded because you have invested and they have invested and they're reaping what they've sown. They're getting to have something that they thought they never could. I was just talking about two young men. There's one in our men's Bible study on Thursday nights. And he was telling us a while back. He said, my mind is blown. I, I can't even believe where I am today. He goes, four years ago, I stumbled into New Beginnings Church, a drug addict. I had done time in prison. I really never thought I was going to amount to anything. And all of a sudden, I find out about Unders Construction. I went into the program. I ended up staying there a year and a half because I felt I wasn't ready to graduate. That year and a half went into a two-year program. Even though it's a one-year program, I did it two years because I knew I wasn't ready. He goes, now here I am. I graduated for the first time from something I committed myself to all the way through. And I went to a two-year time at Nurse Construction, and here I am now. I ended up finding a wife, and I married a godly Christian woman. I bought a car. I never thought I'd own a car. And we just finished buying a home. He goes, in four years, I'm a transformed man. I just got a job with the city of Albuquerque. I have a home. I'm a homeowner, a car owner. I'm married to a woman that I love. And I'm serving the Lord at a church that I fell in love with. And it all happened in four years. It's blowing me away. See, he found out that responsibility gives privileges. People, oh, it must be nice. You got this, you got that. Oh, I worked hard for everything. But yes, the Lord has blessed me abundantly. On Sunday, I was talking about another young man. About four years ago. Five years ago, he had got out of prison. Done some 20 years in prison. Got out, never thought he was going to amount to anything. So he was doing mess. Then all of a sudden, he stumbled across New Beginnings. And he fell in love with Jesus. And he accepted Jesus and God has delivered him from mess and alcohol. And in the process of finding Jesus... Jesus gave him a life. And finding a life, then he found a job that never worked like that a day in his life because he'd been locked up. And started working and started getting promotions. And then he found a wife. And now this wife came with some kids. So he's a father and he's like, oh my gosh. And he goes, now we're trying to get a house. He goes, we didn't have any cars and now we have three. God has been so good to me. And I say, you see, when you live out your responsibilities, privileges are just handed over to you. 
It's a blessing. We need to impact our children with that. Let them know, work hard, become a responsible young man or young lady. Live it out. Third thing we need to do is pack your kids with the knowledge that there are consequences to their decisions. There's consequences to their decisions. You reap what you sow. So is a man soweth. He will reap. In other words, if you do good, guess what you get back? Good. If you do bad, guess what you get back? Bad. Uh, the cops are always after me. They pull me over for everything. They pull me over just because I'm Chicano. Really? Is that why they pulled you over? Well, they said my taillights were out, but it's because I'm Chicano. No, it's because your taillights are out and you didn't shake them. You happen to be Chicano. And, well, now they pulled you over, but it was because they, they even told you. You were driving too fast. It, you exceeded the speed limit. You made a decision. Some people were so tired of the new cameras, they stole the camera. Did you see that? I go, goodness gracious, only Albuquerque. They stole the camera. <coughs> and I thought, ay carambas. You see, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses stands before the people. God had given not just the Ten Commandments. You have to understand, if you remember English in high school, they gave us what was called an outline for like an essay. And you would get this outline and you would have point one, point two, point three. And underneath point one, it would be like Roman numeral number one. And then underneath, you'd have a subcategory and it was an A, a large capital A. And then if you had a subcategory under that, then it was a little number one. And then if you had another subcategory under that, you had a tiny little A. So you had a capital A and a lowercase A. And a big Roman numeral one, and then a regular little number one, and on and on. And that's how you would do an outline. Well, the Ten Commandments, those are the big points. But underneath those, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of commandments in the Bible that support that. So it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then there's a bunch of ways how to do that. And it says, honor your father and mother. And there's a bunch of ways how to do that. Do not steal. There's a bunch of ways how to do that. And on and on and on. And so Moses is now standing before the people. And he said to them, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, he says, today... I've given you the choice between life and death. And he says, between blessings and curses. And he says, now I call on you. He goes, I call on, and, and I, now I call rather on heaven and on earth because I want heaven and earth to witness what you choose. To witness the choice you make. And he says, oh, that you would choose the life. Oh, please choose the life. Uh, understand that life's decisions have consequences. And we need to teach that to our children. 
See, a lot of times we, we send our children off to school and say, don't put up with anything. If your teacher talks bad to you, you talk back to them. It's like, wait, teach them how to defend themselves, but teach them how to stand up for themselves, but in a right manner that honors and glorifies God, honors and, and glorifies you as your parents, and honors themselves, and that they stand up to the teacher if they have to, and say, you know what, teacher, I don't believe that's right. Just like my granddaughter did. Well, none of us told her to tell them, teacher that. But she does know we don't listen to that kind of music in our house or in our cars. Because we've told her that that's bad music. She took it upon herself to know, hey, please don't. So you need to teach your children to stand up for themselves, but in a way that honors God. You need to be able to send it. But some people send their kids off to school or wherever. And they go, you have rights. Stand up for your rights. And sometimes it's like, they don't stand up the way that they're supposed to. Because there's consequences to our decisions. And sometimes our, kid or, our kids are making bad decisions in, at school or in the community. And we stick up for them instead of teaching them, hey, you were wrong here. Or you were right in your stance, but wrong in your approach. We need to educate them. We need to guide them. We need to help them. We need to help them understand that there's consequences to our decisions. Another thing we need to do is we need to pack our kids with the knowledge to deal with issues in their healthy, in a healthy manner. To deal with issues in a healthy manner. Man, sometimes people rub you wrong and you just, oh man, people get explosive. They've done it here in church. They don't like something or they say it in a way like, you don't have to say it like that. Yes, you're supposed to stand up for yourself, and you're supposed to, the Bible says if someone offends you, you're supposed to go to, able to talk to them and say, hey, I don't know if you understand, you really hurt me by what you said, but not get all gangster and, hey, man, you know what? Don't be talking to me like that, I say. You want to go throw some blows? You want to go outside? We don't even go outside. Let's stay right here and deal with it. Like, you're in church. You're in the presence of Almighty God. You're amongst God's people. Grow up already. You know what? You know what? Proverbs 19 verse 11 says, sensible people control their temper. See, they could talk. They could deal with stuff, but they do it in a godly manner. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Say, you know what, man? Golly. I know in my head, this is what I say, Lord, oh, I don't know what's going on in their lives, but God help them. I'm serious. I've taught my children, you never know what someone's going through. You never know what they were just told. I'll never forget, I told this story before when my mom died. I was 18 years old and I, she, I was her everything and she was my everything. There's five of us siblings, but because I was in college at the time, I was able to drive her. To, so I took her to every chemotherapy. I took her to every radiation therapy. I took her to every doctor's appointment because I had a flexible schedule. My mom never learned to drive. And I'll never forget when she died. And then with my dad and the rest of the family had already gone to my dad's house. And with my dad, I'm 18 years old. 
and I'm sitting in the car looking out the window. I'm looking at nothing. We're on the freeway. My dad and I are silent. It's not a word. I'm thinking, man, I don't want my dad's thinking like that. He just left his wife, his partner. They grew up together in a little village of Mexico in Sierra Mujala, Coahuila. They knew each other since she was two and he was four. They were little kids, plays together at school. They had a heritage together. Then I'm looking out the window in this car, this we're on the freeway and the truck kind of gets even with us and the drivers are laughing their heads off. Laughing, they're laughing and I looked at them and I was so angry. I'm like, you jerks. Don't you know my mother just died? Don't you understand my mom? Can't you give her 10 seconds of a silence in honor of her? Ooh, I was so angry. And then the dreaded words that I hated to hear. The Lord says, mijo, life goes on. I go, it doesn't feel like it. Her life doesn't go on. Why can't I get 10 seconds? He goes, because those guys didn't know your mom. They're having a great moment in their life, and you're having a bad one. See, we need to teach them how to handle issues in a healthy manner. Because I got had a lot of anger, because there's a lot of anger involved in death. And you have to process it through in a healthy manner. We don't know how people walk into this building having dealt with life. We don't know the, the scars and the bruises. Some that were years ago when they were children. And they were abused by their mom or their, or their dad. Or by their mom and their dad. Or they were abused in life. They were just treated really down. We, have, we all have a story. Every one of us, it doesn't matter what race you are, you have your story. I mean, blacks were treated horrible. So were Chicanos. They would say, blacks cannot drink at this fountain, neither can brown people. I didn't know I was brown. I just thought, well, I'm Hispanic. All my life I've been explaining that I'm first generation American, but I have a gringo last name, Mansfield. White people thought, oh man, you're an Anglo. So they heard I couldn't speak English and they said I was a dumb Mexican. Mexicans go, oh cool, you're a Mexican. Until they heard my last name was Mansfield and they said, oh, you're a dumb gringo. I was like, man, I'm a dumb Chicano, I'm a dumb gringo, I don't even know who I am. And it messed with my life until God gave me the knowledge how to deal with people's life in a healthy manner. That's what I'm trying to teach to my children, my children's children, and to your children, your children's children, and even unto you. So we need God's guidance and his help. And I bring to the last thing I want to say is we've got to pack our kids with a lifetime of unconditional love. Love them, love, 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 love them. I know sometimes kids that do dumb, 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 dumb things. I want you to know I always honored my mom and dad, at least to their faith and to, in our household. But I was an idiot out in the streets. They didn't know I was an idiot out in the streets. 
until they heard it secondhand. It broke their heart. But in spite of breaking their heart, they showed me love. And they prayed for me and they said, son, I want to help you. One time I came home smelling like weed, big time weed. And I didn't smoke weed. It was illegal. Drinking was not illegal. So I got drunk all the time, but not high. One time I was with a bunch of guys in a car and they were all getting high. And I was in the car and I never smoked the weed, but I was in the car with them. So man, I came home smelling like it. And I, I don't know if I got, maybe I got buzzed by secondhand smoke. I don't know how that works. All I know is I was drunk, buzzed from drinking. And when I got home, my mom was real mad at me. I was a young kid. I was maybe 14, 15 years old. And she goes, andale muchacho marihuana. She says, you disgraced me, you little marijuana user. And I was, I was pierced. I was going, marijuana? I've never had a joint in my mouth because I love and respect you and dad so much. It's like, how can you say that when you smell like it? You reek of weed and you're all buzzed and you're only 14 years old and you're already drinking. You see, I didn't get it. But they did. And they pray, 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 pray. My mom used to pray every single night. She'd walk the hallway. If it was a summer, she'd sit on, on a swing that we had. And she would just pray and pray and pray. In the winter, she would walk the hallway. She'd stop at every doorway and she'd pray for my sister and my other two sisters. And then me and my brother. And then she would pray for my dad in their bedroom. And she'd pray. She was a prayer warrior. And they showed nothing but unconditional love. Even though they hurt my feelings with how they thought of me, they also never gave up on me. They just showed me love and love and love and love. They trained me up in the way I should go. And you know what? I departed from it, but I came back to the truth. God threw me back unto himself. We need to teach that to our children. Remember the prodigal son? He took off. He squandered everything. But every single day, his daddy would look out the window. Maybe this is it, Lord. Today, Mijito comes home. My son comes home. Maybe this is the day my son comes home. Maybe this is the day my son comes home. Maybe this is the day. And finally, one day, he looks out, and his sons are walking away. And it says right there in Matthew chapter 15, verse 20, the son returned home to his father. And while he was still a long ways off, Mom and dads look a long ways off. Sometimes you don't think they can see you, but they can see you. His father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion. It says he ran to his son. It's the only place in the Bible that you see God running towards us. And he embraces him. He didn't say, get away from me, you little stinky, no good for nothing. You hurt your mama. You hurt your daddy. <coughs> You've robbed from us. You've he just embraced him. And he kissed him. And he said, welcome home, son. Welcome home. I love you. We packed your bags. And you said, I want my inheritance now. And they go, here's the Christian lifestyle I've always wanted for you. And when he was off, the funeral of pigs, the 
says he came to his senses and he said, even my father and his servants live better than I do because my dad's a Christian and he even treats his servants better than he does. And you give them the knowledge of working hard and having responsibilities. And he came to his senses, the Bible says. He realized, I, I've got to do it right. I've got to do it right. I've got to do it the way God wants me to do it. I've got to make sure I carry it out. And it says that he came to his senses. See, he realized his responsibilities had got him where he was, and he didn't have privileges because he had squandered everything. So he gave him the knowledge of the consequences of his own decisions, and he realized, man, I really blew it. And the father had given them the knowledge of dealing with issues in a healthy manner. He came and humbled himself before his father and said, I don't deserve to be called your son. I don't even deserve to be called a servant, but would you at least take me back as a servant? You see, he packed his life with unconditional love. Church, you and I have children. Not everyone has a child, but might have influence over a nephew or a niece or grandparents or grandchild or something. You might have be like a surrogate mom or dad as an aunt or an uncle. Or you might be parents that you're starting off and going, man. Or you might already be old and your kids are already grown adults and you're saying, man, you've been doing right. So tonight I invite you to completely surrender yourself over to the Lord. And if you don't even belong to Jesus, if you're not a Christian, start there. Say, you know what, Lord, I, I really want to surrender and I, I don't want to manage my own life anymore. Today, I'm going to give, I'm going to remove my life off of the throne of my heart. And from this day forward, you be on the throne of my heart. So if you've never done that and you want to accept Jesus Christ, raise your hand and say, that's me. I really want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone here tonight? And then I want to pray for us. If there's a decision in your life where you need to step up and say, God, I didn't always do it right. Because I know I didn't always do it right. And I went back and humbled myself and said, hey, son or daughter, I didn't do it right then, but I'm doing it right now. But if you need prayer, and it might be for something unrelated to tonight's sermon, but I invite you to take time to come to the altar. We have some people that.